I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1, um, and then I'm going to be traveling through, maybe I should say we get to travel through the book of Acts, and I would like to make a point. This is kind of ramping toward ramping up toward our 24-hour prayer time and kind of giving us a frame of reference for this and even using the early church as a backdrop for our praying time. So uh, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So this text takes place immediately following the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. His followers then leaving that location and coming back to the upper room. And, uh, and the first thing they did was a prayer meeting. I really like, and you've, you've probably heard him say this, um, I really like what uh, evangelist Harold Vaughn has to say. He says, the early church did not go to a prayer meeting. They were a prayer meeting. And that makes all the sense in the world. But um, but I'd like to also, and I would like to have you turn to this passage in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, and then I'm going to take a journey through the book of Acts, and you can listen or you can try to keep up by turning to these passages as you will, but um, Acts chapter 13, and we know this is referring to the church at Antioch, this is where the first deacons, what we call deacons, servants, were chosen. And then uh, Acts chapter 13 and uh, verse 1 says, as they ministered to the Lord. So it's kind of like um, uh, th this is the normal course of life for them. This is like um, a, a, a viewing into the church at Antioch as they ministered to the Lord. And we know that would have included praying. Um, and in this context, it would have looked like one accord praying or united praying, but as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now, hmm, I'm going to call this an intense service. I'm going to call this seeking the Lord with intensity. So this is not just routine there was something that led up to this there was something as a backdrop or a background that led up to this service if you will or at least what was in the back of the minds of those gathered in the church of antioch as they ministered to the lord and fasted this was not just sunday as usual because of what follows the holy spirit said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, so we're to be reminded that this was an intense service. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So we can talk all day long, or at least I can talk all day long about what this may have meant. What did it mean for the Holy Spirit to speak? And there may be passionate arguments on each side. But what I want us to at least see here in this text is that in the early church, 
starting out with Acts 1, they were all continuing in prayer, and at least in Acts 17, the prayer had developed to the point even where the Holy Spirit interrupted their service. The Holy Spirit, it was so, they were seeking the Lord, it appears, so passionately that the Holy Spirit gave a command. He spoke. And it was very obvious somehow that the entire church knew what the will of the Holy Spirit was. And that will was separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So uh, I would just, and we're going to come back to this text, but and I'm going to I'm going to talk really fast or quickly here, um, as our time is elapsing. Um, we see things as modern Christians. We sometimes look at the texts and we see things in silos. Okay, we see things isolated from other every other passage of the scripture. Um, but there had to have been a runway. There had to have been something that led up to this, even in the minds of these at the Church of Antioch. And I would recommend that there was increasing momentum in the church. And some of these things were positive, and some of these things were negative. Um, but think with me about this. In Matthew chapter 1, and verse 20, the Bible says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is Joseph being referred to, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Think of this. from." The first chapter of the book of Matthew, we have this forecast, this plan of God. This is not just talking about people getting saved and trusting Jesus. That's part of it, that he will save his people from their sins. But this is talking about eternal salvation. This is glorification. This is These are set-apart people that will always be with Jesus. Now think of that. Then in Matthew chapter 16, um, and verse 18, the scripture says, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter. And I think the Lord may have said this with a little bit of a grin on his face. I don't know. I just think the Lord had a had a personality that was powerful, and um, and maybe he took, took his eyes off Peter, Peter and maybe even looked into the future, looked into the distance, if you will. He, I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, Peter, my church is going to look exactly the way I want it to look like when I'm done. Nothing's going to hinder it. Nothing can make it go faster or slower. I will build my church. And it starts even with, he will save his people from their sins. So then in our minds, if you will, go to the end of the book of Matthew. You don't need to turn there, but Matthew chapter 28, we find what we often refer to as the Great Commission. And he's basically saying, now go with all this that you know, go. And not only go, I'm going to be with you. Why? Because I'm going to build my church. <laughs> and the gates of you go, I'll do the work. Wow. And then... Right after that, I mean, that's Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1, 
I mean, these books just, history just blends right into each other. These, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So how did the early church accomplish the Great Commission? They prayed. One of the components is they prayed. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, follow with me. I mean, not, not by turning in your Bibles, but just in your, in your head. And you can turn if you want. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. How is this going to happen? You can't do it on your own. I'm going to be with you. How am I going to be with you? Here's the Holy Spirit. I, it, it is profitable for me to go so that I can send the helper, the comforter. Then when the Holy Spirit comes, there's opposition at Pentecost. And we've often heard, and we know this, when the Holy Spirit's at work, the devil's angry, and there's going to be opposition. So there's immediate opposition at Pentecost, but then there's 3,000 people that trust Christ. This is the positives and the negatives. And frankly, they're all positive. But, and I, I would just say, even in this, this text in Acts chapter 2, this is huge. Because following this, we have the church devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. They're committing themselves to this one accord praying. This is what we're going to do to accomplish the Great Commission. And then, ladies and gentlemen, everything follows this. Everything. From this point through the book of Acts through today, everything follows these four pillars. And really, the first two chapters of the book of Acts. First two chapters of prayer, if you will, because we know that they are day by day doing these things. And day by day, the Lord was adding to the church. And maybe even at this point, somebody would have said, <laughs> if we stop right here, then everything that Jesus said has been fulfilled. This is it. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues. And in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, we see healing of the lame man from birth. This is a pivotal text. Um, the, the, those around know this is not just Jesus doing miracles. This is his followers doing miracles. And then we're all as a result of one accord praying, I would recommend. Verse 4, we have uh, chapter 4 of Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4. Then we have this prayer for boldness. And I believe it's not just praying for courage. I think it's praying, asking for Holy Spirit empowering and Holy Spirit presence. Because the answer to that prayer is the place where they met was shaken. Okay, there was Holy Spirit activity as a result of the praying and also boldness, which is continued Holy Spirit activity. Chapter 5 of the book of Acts. Can you see this momentum building? We have Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira. So there is sin. And as a result, we need to know that there's penalty for sin. And sin has to be confessed. It's a sobering text. And even, even after the Ananias and Sapphira incident, maybe church people would have said, now the Lord is can come back. <laughs> now, now the end of the church is, um, I mean, look what's going on in, in Acts chapter 5. I mean, even people moving people into the streets where Peter's sh shadow can fall on them and they'll be healed. This is incredible work. But I recommend this is momentum building. Chapter 6 of the book of Acts, we have those two wings of the airplane. We're going to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And then as a result of that, priests were trusting Christ as Savior. Even at this point, it may have said, okay, this is it. This is the Lord's going to come back. 
No, this is the momentum building. And then in verse chapter seven, Stephen's killed. Wow, that was a setback. Was it really? Not for heaven, it wasn't. Because in verse eight, at chapter eight, we have Philip being separated from success in Samaria. And uh, the Holy Spirit is directing Philip to leave success and go to Gaza, which is desert. Uh, this is this is momentum building. Chapter nine, we have Saul. <laughs> you talk about a negative. Everybody was afraid of Saul. He's the Christian killer. But in the momentum of I will build my church, Jesus saves Saul. That great negative becomes a huge positive. The conversion of Saul to Paul. Chapter 10, the Holy Spirit is imparted to the Gentiles. And then right after that, chapter 11, intense persecution. Chapter 12 of the book of Acts, Peter delivered from prison, massive. And what was happening while Peter was being delivered from prison? A prayer meeting. <laughs> One accord praying, united praying. So I say all that as the runway to Acts chapter 13 that you may yet still be in. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Wow, this is that seeking the Lord with intensity. The Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work where until I've called them. This was not just an isolated incident. This is part of the momentum of Jesus building his church. In fact, let me have you do this. As we close, would you turn to Acts chapter 17? And thank you for letting me take this journey. I think I'm still within my time frame of devotion giving, but Acts chapter 17 and uh, begin beginning in verse 1. Now, when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and I didn't rehearse these words in advance. In Phippolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, after his manner was, went into them. Now remember, there's all of this wind in the sails. This is momentum of the church. Paul went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. This is the newly converted Saul to Paul the top thing on his mind, the very top thing on his mind is verse three, opening and alleging that Christ must needs to have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. Now look what happened to this in the momentum of this kingdom building. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. In other words, there was a number of people that trusted Christ as Savior and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. So these are God-fearers that were kind of following from a distance, practicing Judaism, but now they are becoming Christ followers and of the chief women. This is kind of the aristoc aristocracy of the day. Not a few. So there are ripples being sent through the culture. Holy Spirit ripples being sent through the culture. Look at verse 5. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, 
and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren to the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down. This is the enemy. These are the people that are destroying our culture. Are come hither also. And my dear friends, I say all this to say, Jesus is still building his church. But we're looked on as the enemy. We're the culture destroyers. And may it be that through our praying, we continue to destroy the culture. Verse 7, whom Jason hath received, and these do all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. In other words, these Christians are in the way of our progress, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Wow. So all of this didn't happen overnight. We like to think that we could maybe pray, and no doubt we could pray. There'd be an arrival, revival, an awakening. All the cultural ills would be cured. Churches would be filled. You know, the donkeys wouldn't understand what we're saying because we're not swearing or the, not we, but anyway, the, the workers are not swearing. This didn't happen overnight. It took lots of time. Lots of puzzle pieces coming together for these things to be happening. And I'm going to recommend that our prayer, every one of our prayer meetings is a piece of the puzzle. It's not just start Zoom, stop Zoom, we're going you know, to go eat lunch or dinner or sleep. Um, these are pieces of the momentum building of the church. The foundation, every foundations conference is a puzzle piece. Sermon audio, being at Bob Jones, is a puzzle piece. Students now getting involved is a are puzzle pieces. The Stand Firm conference that Mar Brother Mark did, it's a puzzle piece. And it continues. Acts chapter 1 or verse 14, all these continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. One accord praying. I woke up this morning with a phrase on my mind and, and we're done. And that is this, God is building his church at the speed of one accord united prayer. God is building his church at the speed of one accord united prayer. You have not because you ask not. So may I encourage us all to be a part of this increasing. I believe it's increasing. God's not done with his church. He's still building, so there's increasing. We can be a part of the increasing kingdom momentum and bring others along with us.